Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey y'all, this is a quick trigger warning for discussions of abuse, specifically emotional abuse. This episode gets pretty heavy and we get pretty deep, so if you are unable to listen to this episode because of that, we totally understand and we will see you in the next one. Thanks. Good morning, agents, and welcome to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We are your commanding officers. I'm Mariah. And I'm Caroline. And today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 21, Ragtag. Woohoo! So, Mariah, how was your week? It's been a time. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, I think I talked about, like, our house hunt last time, but it turns out buying isn't an option right now, so... We've been looking for rentals, and I I think we found one, but I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm so, so tired. It's a so, lot. <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's been a lot. This month has not been fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, once y'all move, everything will settle. Well, how was your week? Uh, my week was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still I still can't walk, so and I so I took the week off work. And I'm just, like, hobbling around my apartment. (laughs) Um, It's really hard to even take Chip out to, like, go to the bathroom. Because he doesn't want to go in, like, the closest corner to our apartment. Like, he, like, will not poop there. Um, So so he's just been holding his poop until David gets home from work. (laughs) But... Anyway, also, I picked up knitting again, Mm. and I'm halfway through a beanie that should be ready by the time we have our, like, four-day winter in Texas, so it'll be good. (laughs) Yeah. I remember you were, you knit when we first met. I once knitted a a beanie for Paradise Fears, actually. Yep. That was the, that was when we met. That was the night we met, yeah. That was the night that we met. Yeah. Wow. And then Marcus, the bass player, wore it on stage, and I, like, freaked the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. And then I saw, I, th- I want to say I saw Sam wearing it in, like, other people's pictures, and I was like... <gasps> I yeah, I out. think it was my picture, because I, it? like, distinctly remember, because he was wearing... I think you had given him the beanie, like, right before yeah. I, like, went up to him or something, and, like, I saw him, like, put it on and then he had it on in my picture yeah and then you commented on my picture on facebook like that's my beanie and i was like <laughs> i know i was there oh <laughs> uh, yeah good times <laughs> we didn't know each other nope <laughs> anyway let's get into this <laughs> uh, i feel like this is gonna go long just because i'm so fucking out of it yeah. i'm so sorry it's okay i don't have anything else to do today <laughs> So this episode was written by Jeffrey Bell and directed by Roxanne Dawson. The poster for Ragtag was created by Emma Rios, and it depicts significant moments in Ward's life, as well as Fitzsimmons in danger, and Skye looming behind the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo, as if she is a present that Ward cannot seem to shake. Rios wanted the poster to have narrative aspects, trying to reflect Ward's struggle in the reflection as if it were a mirror. 
and have people thinking about what may have been happening inside Ward's brain. Interesting. I did look at it. Um, I I didn't get all of that, <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's cool. It's like it looks. Go ahead. Oh no! It, I was just thinking like. Um, I like to look at the posters. They're they're pretty and they look cool. Yeah. Um, it's just funny sometimes hearing like artists' intent and like this is what I wanted to do with this. This is what I was going for. And I'm like, well, I think that that's a lot of concepts <laughs> put into one poster, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> and now that you mention it, I know what to look for. Right. Thank you. Exactly. For that. <laughs> All right. Well, who do we meet in this episode, Caroline? So in this episode, um, I don't, I don't know if this counts, uh, but we meet baby Ward uh, and like young adult Ward, and then we also meet Buddy, the chocolate lab. And I would just like to point out for anyone who doesn't know that my dog Chip is a chocolate lab, and I had no warning about this fucking episode. I'm sorry, um, and I do not have a joke about this. <laughs> I'm, I was distraught all night. <laughs> It didn't occur to me to warn you because like, nothing actually happens. <laughs> that we see. No, we didn't. It doesn't happen. It, you're right. It doesn't happen. It'll never happen. No dog ever dies, ever. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so let's get into this episode. All right. It's okay. I don't blame you. <laughs> so we open at a juvenile detention center circa 1998 in Plymouth, Massachusetts, just as the Pilgrims intended. Baby Ward is meeting Garrett for the first time, and oh fuck, are we gonna see the grooming happen firsthand? <laughs> oh my like, god. Like, the opening scene here, my my first thought was, oh damn, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> I'm glad they finally showed it. Um, we'll get into my feelings later. Yeah. Apparently, Baby Ward ran away from military school, stole a car, and drove it over a thousand miles to his hometown to burn down the house that he grew up in. Interesting. See, <laughs> sending violent kids to military school has never been something that made a whole lot of sense to me. Like, as a, like a kid, a violent kid is causing trouble... And so you send them to military school as punishment. Military school. A school which by its nature encourages violence. <laughs> I like, I guess it makes sense for this fucked up country, but just, it seems unwise. Yeah. Just from like a person standpoint. Yeah. But I get that they need violent people. I feel like it's for like. For reasons. I feel like it's like. It's to, like, break their spirit or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's supposed to be the reason behind it, but it doesn't it doesn't actually make sense. No. <laughs> or, like, to give them structure. Yeah. I, whatever. I, it just seems unwise to me. It does. It's not going to give you the results that you <laughs> hope for. It's just going to uh, make a violent person who also has access to guns right. and knows how to use them. Well, I guess it's, like go be a problem for someone else point your violence at someone else yeah. not at us that's that's the thing that's the real thinking behind it anyway <laughs> god anyway so ward burned down his family home but his brother was in the house and i they did not specify if it was his older brother or his younger brother i'm assuming it was his older brother but um so garrett is impressed 
and says that he too is a bit of a pyromaniac and has made a good living at it. Um, made a good living setting things on fire? No, I think it's just general violence and debauchery. But why? But he got paid for it? He got paid to set things on fire? Yeah, dude, he's been in S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that's true. And by extension, Hydra, <laughs> causing, like, strife and chaos <laughs> and shit. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, the Ward family is apparently on their way to the prison now to press charges for arson and attempted murder, and his older brother is petitioning to have Grant tried as an adult. So Garrett gives him the choice to either rot in prison for years or, quote, you can let me get you out of here and teach you how to be a man. Ew. 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 Uh, <laughs> why is everything that man says so gross? <laughs> it's so gross. Uh, so Baby Ward is distrusting, obviously. But Garrett wins him over by promising that although the training that he's being recruited for will be the hardest thing that Ward's ever done, no one will ever screw with him again. And of course, the abused child is going to grasp at that straw, because who wouldn't? And as soon as Garrett pressures baby Ward into saying, <laughs> Chip, <laughs> stop. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it had a squeak in it. <laughs> if I take it from him, he's not going to shut up, ever. As soon as Garrett pressures Baby Ward into saying yes, armed S.H.I.E.L.D. agents show up to break Baby Ward out of the prison. Um, so then back to the future. Sky and Fitzsimmons are watching the news, showing a story about Deathlock killing a notorious Colombian drug lord, who was apparently also in association with Hydra, which is confusing because why would Hydra send their murderous man slash monster slash machine after one of their own? PR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're literally willing to sacrifice every single person on their team. Yeah, which is like, it's interesting because it it is sort of showing... There is the two sides of it. I, I'm sorry, this this thought is just now formulating in my brain, so give me a minute. <laughs> no, you're good. Like I agree. No, it's like... It's, it's almost like Democrats and Republicans. Like, do you get what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, the two-party system in America, like... It's exactly the same. Like, because Hydra is obviously worse. Like, they're yeah. doing it to a bigger extent and more ruthlessly... But S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't much better. Right. So it's like they're both bad. They both needed to be done yeah. away with. It's on. A, it's like they're the same thing, but S.H.I.E.L.D. just has the better reputation. Yeah. Because S.H.I.E.L.D. has the, has like the, basically the celebrity endorsement of the Avengers, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, anyway, so Coulson interrupts uh, their news watching and calls them into the other motel room where he and May have drawn up a very high-tech diagram. <laughs> they figure that all of the major villains that they've been dealing with are in one way or another linked to the company Cybertech. And honestly, I'm obsessed with this, like, brainstorm map. <laughs> 
Cybertech built Deathlock, shipped items to Ian Quinn, who was working for the Clairvoyant, who turned out to be Garrett, who planted Ward on the bus because he wanted to know why Coulson didn't stay dead. And Garrett has been creating Centipede Serum this whole time and needs the GH325 as the final ingredient to stabilize and regenerate their Centipede soldiers. And that is why Ward came back for the hard drive. So much. (laughs) It was. It's honestly just a nice recap of the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a good like showing of sort of how the structure of Agents of Shield seasons works going forward. Oh, really? Because that sort of like connection is like very common. Gotcha. In like this the series, like everything comes back together. It's all connected. It's all connected. hashtag. It's all connected. <laughs> Um, but luckily, Sky set up the hard drive to map the system of every device that it's uploaded to. Fitzsimmons are very proud of her for this. She's like, "Oh, thanks. <laughs> but unfortunately, she didn't have enough time to complete it, which is a convenient plot device. I love it. <laughs> so they will have to find a way to plug another flash drive into one of Hydra's computers in order to activate it. And of course, it's proven difficult to find a Hydra computer. But May has the solution. Since Garrett has been working with Cybertech for years, their systems must be linked so they can just break into a Cybertech office and get it done. And I feel like that's quite a conclusion to jump to. <laughs> like, just because they've been working together forever doesn't mean that Garrett is going to, like, share files with them. I don't know. Yeah. That's, it was a leap. I don't know, but they've been working together so well. Because they didn't they know, know at, at this that point, point how long they've been working together. Right. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe they're just grasping at straws. They figure couldn't hurt. Yeah. Um, I want I want my brain to work how TV characters' brains work. <laughs> yeah. Where they just like always seem to know the right thing to do, or like like I wish that I could have a brainstorming session like that about literally anything in my life and be like, you know. This was connected to this, which is connected to that, which means right. that mm-hmm. I need to rent this place. <laughs> <laughs> just just make a little uh, brainstorming diagram thing. Chip agrees. Buddy, <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> so, uh, Coulson and Fitz remind everyone that they are no longer agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They are vigilantes of justice. <laughs> A.K.A. Agents of nothing. Us. (laughs) Coulson is determined to finish this mission. He will not let Garrett and Ward get away with murder. And he wants his plane back. (laughs) This episode's so fucking funny. (laughs) It's so funny. When he said that, like, the first thing that popped into my mind was um, in Mean Girls. (laughs) When Damien's like, I don't want my pink shirt back! I want my pink shirt back! (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, on Coulson's plane, uh, Ward is questioning Garrett's decision to have Deathlock be the one to kill the Colombian drug lord instead of letting Ward just shoot the guy from afar and doing it quietly. Garrett apparently wanted the international spectacle. As Mike walks through the room, Garrett tries to force them both to say that they enjoy their jobs with Hydra. That was icky. I did not 
Yeah. Ugh, I didn't like that <laughs> at all. The way that he was um, talking to Mike as though he did him a favor. Yeah. Like, like you literally enslaved this man. Um, <laughs> ugh, it's so bad. Ugh. Ugh. Um, and as a reward for a job well done, Garrett orders for Mike to get a video of Ace later that day. Just... Again. <sighs> Poor Mike. Like, he never wanted to do any of this and literally i can't imagine the trauma of like can you imagine literally having no other choice than to punch someone's head off yeah it mm. like you have to litter not only do you have to kill this you have to punch their head clean off yeah it's ooh. <clears throat> Poor Mike. Ward is still butthurt at Garrett for making Mike give Ward a heart attack. Um, And Garrett's like, but did you die, though? (laughs) Could you stop being so selfish? Like, I'm this close to achieving a 25-year-long goal, and you are harshing my mellow. (laughs) So Ward and Garrett get to the lab, where Raina informs them that she is very close to replicating the GH325. She's just waiting for their lab results from the Hydra base in Cuba to come back. And Garrett is very happy with this news and says pointedly, I wish everyone on my team had the same success rate. And, okay, uh, who hasn't had that success rate? <laughs> Everybody on his team has done exactly what he's told them to do. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's... Um, he's he's just trying to like talk shit about Ward to his face. Yeah, like I think it's just that like Ward let his emotions get in the way of getting what they needed from Sky. So even though they still did end up getting what they needed from her because Ward got caught. He like he's he's in the doghouse now. Um so back over at the motel Coulson joins Skye and Fitz at the pool and lets them know that they have a meeting with the Palo Alto office of Cybertech. Fitz is uncomfy with giving them any more information, but Coulson assures him that they're not giving him anything that was on Skye's hard drive. They just need to get in, plug in the new flash drive, and then get out. But the real discomfort for Fitz is still Ward's betrayal. Fitz theorizes that Garrett put a centipede eye in Ward, and poor Fitz, he just, he just can't, he cannot believe that his friend Ward would do this to him. He brushes off Sky's reasoning that Ward is just evil. And he says, nobody's born evil. Something must have happened. And like, you're right. He wasn't born evil, but he was evil the whole time you knew him, babe. <laughs> Just then, Tripp shows up with a suitcase of his grandfather's Howland Commando spy gear. Coulson starts out trying to be very professional and aloof about the stuff in there, but almost immediately starts nerding out over all the original beta models and retro gadgets and stuff. (laughs) And Fitz, in trying to demonstrate how this early spy gear was meant to look inconspicuous in case they were caught, accidentally sets a curtain on fire. God, this episode is so funny. It's so funny. It is. Oh my god. I was laughing the whole time. (laughs) Um, So then we get another flashback. 
Garrett and Ward are walking down a forest path with my dog, Chip, apparently. <laughs> um, and they are hunting together on a thousand acre stretch of land in Wyoming that Garrett plans to retire on one day. And baby Ward is nervous that the cops are still after him. But Garrett assures him that nobody's looking for him because nobody cares about him other than Garrett, obviously. Although not that much, because Garrett then tells Baby Ward that he cannot have either of the birds that they killed, because Garrett was the one who shot them. And, quote, out here you gotta earn everything. So he is forcing Baby Ward to stay out in the wilderness, find his own food, build his own shelter, etc., with no warning, no preparation, and no possessions aside from his small bag of clothes. And when Baby Ward reasonably... Uh, objects to this. Garrett says, stop blaming me for your own failure. It makes me not like you. And (laughs) Garrett is literally to blame for this particular failure. So, okay. (laughs) Garrett says, I mean, you could always go back to Juvie and prove everyone right that you're weak and worthless. (laughs) Wow. Um, and then he says he'll be back in a few months. What? <laughs> like, why? Why the fuck does Ward think he owes this asshole anything? Like, what is he grateful for? The dog? Like, I get that. But um, <laughs> this guy left you for dead for months. And you're willing to deceive, betray, and murder people for him? Why? <laughs> I don't, I truly, I don't get it. I, think I don't it's get it just at all. Like it's, it's literally grooming. It's yeah. brainwashing and abuse and like, like the emotional whiplash that like. For sure. Cause like, yes, he's doing all of these things, but he's also saying, well, if you don't do this, you're like, you're weak and you're stupid. And he already, the thing is like. He already knows that Ward comes from an unsavory background. And so he's probably already susceptible to this kind of talk. Right. And being told that he's weak and worthless and he doesn't want to be those things. Yeah. And it's just... And, like, when Ward does what he needs to do to survive, Garrett takes the credit for that. Yeah. He's like, I taught you that. I made you who you are. Yep. Oh, it's so sad. It's just, like, I I do hate Ward, but I see right. what happened. Right. Because this was a kid. This is a kid. This was a, an abused kid. He was hurting. <sighs> so, uh, speaking about the episode's focus on Grant Ward, Jeffrey Bell said, quote, Ward is showing all these different colors, and we thought it might be fun to show how Ward became Ward. Nothing definitive, because we're still driving towards our conclusion with Deathlock and Raina and Garrett and Quinn and our cavalcade of bad guys. But Ward really is front and center in this episode. I really do feel Ward is trapped between two families, or the two poles, because as we learn, he really does care for Skye, and I do believe he cares for Fitz and Simmons and the whole team to a certain extent and that he was following orders. On the other hand, he has this deathly obligation to Garrett. And see, see, okay, Jeffrey, I know that you're like one of the showrunners and like the executive producer and whatnot, (laughs) uh, but I fundamentally disagree with you on this. Yeah. Because 
he's speaking about all of these things as if that's like true. I think I do agree that Ward is being pulled between the brainwashing that he has gone through and the people that to some extent he has come to care for. Right. But one, he doesn't actually owe Garrett anything. Two, I do believe at a certain point he had a choice and he continues to choose wrong. He he continues to choose to hurt the good guys. And he knows. He knows that they're good. And he knows that he's making this decision. Yeah, like he's fully aware of what he's doing. And so regardless of whether or not or how much he cares for these people, he's still actively choosing to hurt them all in the name of a lie. Which, I mean, it's very, it's it's a complicated thing, but it just... It's complicated. That's the thing. (laughs) It's hard. Because, like, we can we can feel empathetic toward the pain that he went through and, like, what led him to, to who he is now. But he is still making these choices. And, like, at the end of the day, he's an adult and he can just... He is, has seen these people actively care for him and, like, uh, like with no ulterior motives, just care about him. And he's seen the difference between true care and yeah. friendship and manipulation. And he knows which one is which, but he still actively chooses his abuser over, over the people who, who actually care about him. And that sucks, and it's the cycle of abuse. It is kind of what happens when you're manipulated, but it's still a choice. He still is responsible for right. his actions right. and the pain that he causes. Because when you when you hurt someone because you're being abused, even if that's all you know, even if that's what you've been trained to do and what you're ordered to do in one sense of the word or the other, it is not your fault that you're being abused. It, I'm not certain it's debatable whether it's your fault that you're acting that way, but the results of your actions and your actions themselves, you are responsible for right. that. That is whether or not it's your fault. It's your responsibility. You did it. Yeah. That was heavy. Whew. That was a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is a very heavy episode. And like, I, it's funny I, because it's so heavy, but so funny too. It, it, it is. Yeah. But, like, I, looking now as an adult with a more informed understanding of abuse and trauma and things like that, I don't view Ward in the same black and white way that I did at 18. Yeah. Like, I still hate him, but the hate is much more complicated. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, back to the future... We catch up with our favorite agents of nothing, Coulson and May, who have made it to Cybertech in Palo Alto. And oh my god, May smiling when they turned around literally knocked the wind out of me. Like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) Just stunning. Stunning. (laughs) Um, And their codenames are Dr. Room and Theo Tittle. (laughs) Um, so the cybertech guys that they are interviewing immediately start roasting them, <laughs> saying that former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are just not as 
open-minded as Hydra agents. Whoa. Um, and that S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are old, which, that was funny. Um, <laughs> open-minded? Wow. That was interesting. Interesting take. And I, that, like, that, I expanded my thinking. It's something that has is, like, quoted a lot through the episode. And I that was... That's an interesting way to put it because it every time it's been used it's I expanded my thinking to include stealing and yeah it's like they by open minded they don't mean like accepting really they like they mean that you're willing to do something even if you know that it's bad right yeah it's very it's an interesting twist on that word and I feel like it makes sense for how they justify their actions as well you're just close-minded if you don't understand why I would kill someone for this cause like you just you're just too close-minded you you haven't expanded yeah, your you're thinking. too rigid yeah you're too rigid I that it's mm. wow um so Fitzsimmons, Sky, and Trip are able to listen in via a Howling Commando pin that May is wearing, and it acts as a wire and apparently searches for any type of data using a, like an old form of Wi-Fi, basically, that nobody else uses or thinks to block. But they haven't found any cyber data at all, which is weird for a company called CyberTech. <laughs> So Fitz helps them stall by feeding Coulson info to tell the interviewers about his ICER bullet. And Coulson has to stop himself from repeating everything in a Scottish accent. (laughs) (laughs) Which was excellent. (laughs) Um, And then Simmons jumps in with May's lines and Coulson and May try to follow along with Fitzsimmons' inevitable bickering. (laughs) So we we get kind of like half of an explanation about how the icer rounds work. Yeah. So we got that it breaks up under subcutaneous tissue and that it is a hyper concentrated dendrotoxin formula with compressed air expulsion. Mhm. So that's something. It that sure means a lot to me. It means so it's that's information so, that I understand. So, so, like, from what I'm getting from that <laughs> is that the dendrotoxin is, like, it the, the dendrotoxin gets pushed out with the, like, compressed air, and both that and the bullet break up under subcutaneous tissue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, but it seems like if that were the case, it would have to be more like BB rounds. Like, yeah. that bullet looked way too big to be able to break up underneath someone's right. skin. I don't know. It, that That's why I didn't... I, I didn't say anything about the explanation because <laughs> it still didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense to me either, but I like to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you keep thinking about it. Maybe it'll make sense one day. <laughs> okay, and I tried to look it up on, like, the Marvel fandom wiki, mm-hmm. and they didn't have an explanation either. Of and I'm like, not. y'all are no fun. They obviously <laughs> didn't watch this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Let's figure it out, you guys. Let's, let's do it together. <laughs> 
Um, but the Cybertech guys have seen it and stolen it before. They butchered the name, which was offensive, um, and altered the technology into a grenade that will absolutely kill people, which goes against the entire point of the Icer. And also, Icer is a much cooler name. <laughs> what is it? They called it, like... Sleepy sleep gun. Sleepy sleeper or something? It was a sleepy sleep. <laughs> Um, so Sky finally finds a suspiciously secure room on the fourth floor. As the interview ends, a guard is escorting Coulson and May to a key-locked elevator. And then the scene of the elevator closing, uh, and then, like, immediate grunts and fighting sounds was just comedic gold. <laughs> and then, and then May asking if Coulson's sweater itches too. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> so they arrive at the fourth floor and then immediately get caught. But May saves the day with a gymnastics floor routine. The the way that May like <laughs> flips and catches the phone. Yes. Like catches the phone as she like kicks both the phone and the man and then like catches it, gently puts it back and then like pushes up her glasses excellent so good (laughs) such a good sequence um (laughs) so they finally find the mainframe and find out why there's no data signal everything is hard copies in like a hundred filing cabinets and that honestly sounds like several jobs that i've had and also the most annoying fucking way to file things in the world (laughs) (laughs) can't get hacked it's certainly safer (laughs) Except from a fire. Or someone throwing or a filing cabinet out, out the window. The window. <laughs> um, so on the plane, Mike is menacingly watching Reyna while she's trying to work. He brings up that she is the one who gave Hydra his son. I didn't, I forgot about that, honestly. Yeah. Um. So Reyna tries to compare their situations, like, I was following orders, just like you. But Mike has a bomb in his head, and, like, overlords watching every move he makes and every thought he thinks, and Reyna has none of that, so it's really, truly not the same situation at all. Yeah. At all. So, throughout this episode and the next, and obviously in the last episode, too, because I noted this in the last episode, right. uh, several characters state that they were, quote, only following orders, or I have orders to follow. Right. Hydra was originally a Nazi offshoot organization, and I was only following orders was a defense used several times by Nazi officers and soldiers at the Nuremberg trials. Right. So I definitely don't think that that is an accident. Not at all. And I I really love that they brought that up. Because it's like, it's really just hitting home that, like, they are Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Raina says that she's following these orders basically because of her fascination with powered people and their gifts. But she changes the subject and asks about Skye who she is and where she came from, because, quote, inside we have something in common. Are they both aliens? Like, what? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. So, to, to, but that means that Reyna is an alien. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, moving on. I know you're not going to say anything. <laughs> um, so in the giant filing room, Coulson is browsing the labels on the outside of the drawers. And I'm assuming that those are references to something comic book related. Um, or if they're not, they should be because that's a really good opportunity for that. Um, but I can't see well enough <laughs> to be able to have read any of them. Um, and I wouldn't recognize the references even if I could. So <laughs> so um, apparently when Coulson and May are in Cybertech Storage Center, two cabinets they pass by are labeled Brand Corporation Security and Metro Bank Correspondence. In the comics, Metro Bank is a New York bank owned by the Brand Corporation. And Brand is owned by Roxxon. So that makes all three Hydra cover businesses. Oh. So Hydra, Roxxon, Brand Corporation, and Metro Interesting. Bank. I like... Um, <laughs> I like the code name of Brand Corporation. <laughs> This is our brand. This is our brand. <laughs> brand. Brand. What? What's? What's your brand called? Brand. Brand. We're the brand. 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 It's brand. It's a brand. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of this brand? Brand. 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 <laughs> I wonder if there was a, a Mr. Brand. Maybe. I feel like there has to be. It's a family business. Yeah. It's a family business. Brand corporation. <laughs> so May finds Mike Peterson's file them. Project Deathlock apparently goes all the way back to 1990, when the original Deathlock was none other than John fucking Garrett himself. Whoa. So, when Coulson uncovers the Cybertech files on the Deathlock program, he notes how the program goes back to the 90s. Yeah. The original Deathlock in the comics, Luther Manning, was introduced in 1974, but the story was set... In a post-apocalyptic future of 1990. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so weird to think about how, like, in fucking 1974, they're like, oh my god, the year 1990 is so far away that I can imagine it as, like, post-apocalyptic. It was not even 20 years. Time, Time man. Time. <laughs> that was not even 20 years away. <laughs> I feel like I I could definitely picture 2040 being post-apocalyptic <laughs> right now. So I guess that just goes to show I guess. how fucked America has always been. Right. <laughs> um, and so the second Deathlock, whose name was John Kelly, was introduced in his own comic series in the real world in July 1990. Oh. So both of those iterations... Of Deathlock. One was written in the 70s but set in the 90s, and the other one was, it came out in the 90s. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Man, they put so many references in this show. It's, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Coulson comes over to Sky, get ready for a large file transfer, and then a fucking file cabinet comes crashing out of the fourth story window. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> I think about that all the fucking time. You can also get get ready for a large file transfer stickers like really? on Etsy and Redbubble oh and it has like a file cabinet with the text. That's hilarious. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so iconic. <laughs> I want one. 
My birthday's coming up. Okay, I'll try and get one for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, then Trip uses more Howlin' Commando gear to set up a zip line for Coulson and May to slide down on from the window. <laughs> and this episode is making me laugh more than any other episode, I feel like. <laughs> Those flimsy, like, particle board ceiling tiles would absolutely not hold up with a rappel hook and two adults' body oh, weights. Oh, no way. That was the first thing I thought when no I saw that. Way. I'm like, if you bump those tiles, it, they fall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, have you ever worked in an office space retail? There was one time, I don't remember what Hell, store. Hell, a school? <laughs> no, for real. I, I don't remember what store I was working at, but I was putting something... Like, on a top shelf, I was, like, on a ladder stocking something, and, like, my hand bumped one of the tiles, and it dislodged just enough to fall from the ceiling and, like, shatter on the floor. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) No more ceiling. I had to clean up ceiling tiles and be like, I don't don't know what happened. It's so weird. It just fell. Wow. Don't look at the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so then, as we see another flashback of Baby Ward huddled up under a tree in the rain with Buddy, the best puppy on television, current Ward is confronting Garrett again about the whole heart attack thing. And oh shit, this wasn't the first time that Garrett was willing to let Ward die. <laughs> And again, why does Ward owe Garrett shit? Because he hasn't ever been to therapy. (laughs) Literally, that's the only reason. (laughs) (laughs) So Garrett, of course, starts insulting Ward again for the crime of ever questioning him or, God forbid, having an emotion. Uh, But mid-insult, Garrett starts having a heart attack himself or something. And my first thought was, God, I hope he dies. (laughs) (laughs) So then Ward and some other guy carry Garrett into the lab and tell all of the doctors and scientists to get out, which uh, was a choice for sure. Um, Raina hesitates and Ward sounds like like 15-year-old Taylor Lautner when he says, I said, get the hell out! <laughs> the way that your voice cracked just now really sold it. Like, he's just the least intimidating person ever. (laughs) Hating him is so easy. (laughs) Um, So anyway, Ward starts messing with Garrett's, like, metal plate on his side or whatever. So, back at the motel... Uh, the team is going over the Deathlock files, and they are realizing that Garrett doesn't just want the GH-325 for his centipede soldiers. He wants it for himself more than anything. Fitz wonders if Ward has been programmed, too. <laughs> and uh, Simmons stops him and says, When are you going to stop viewing Ward as the victim instead of the perpetrator? And Fitz says, When I see proof of it with my own two eyes. As if Sky's experiences and Koenig's murder weren't enough to go off of. Like, I I know he's heartbroken about losing his friend, but this is turning into a classic, like, 
I know you say they abused you, but I don't know. They've always been nice to me kind of situation. And it's, I I don't like it at all. It does rub me the wrong way. I, I guess that he's, he's set in it and change is hard for him. Like he has said that out loud. Change is hard for him to accept and deal with. And he needs to believe what he's going to believe right now. But it is like, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating. Sky is clearly feeling that, like, you don't believe me feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, and she says that she regrets not letting Ward die when she had the chance. Fucking me too, babe. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a plot, so. The contrast between Coulson and Garrett. Wow. Yeah. Garrett is always talking down to Ward, telling him that he's weak and that any emotion that he feels that does not directly benefit Garrett is weakness. Right. And anything that he does that does not directly benefit Garrett is weakness. But Coulson is lifting Sky up. She's getting doubt on herself that she couldn't let this person die in front of her. And Coulson says, no, that is not weakness. That is you seeing the good in someone and showing compassion. Yeah. And that is a much harder thing to do. That's a much harder decision to make. Right. To be compassionate. Oh, I'm getting chills. Oh, yeah. It, I, I, God, I love Coulson. It's just there's so many parallels in this episode alone. Yeah. That I... I never would have caught if we weren't combing through it this way. Right. And so, uh, once again, I'm really glad that we're doing this podcast because there's so much to talk about that I would not even have the chance or notice to be able to talk about it, watching it, like, as a casual viewer. Right. Yeah. And it just makes it that much more fun. Uh, Yes. And, okay, so, as is... (laughs) on track for this particular episode every time there's something super heavy uh there's a beautiful comedic moment right after because little joke (laughs) just then a pizza is delivered to the motel for pablo jimenez and whitest of white boys philip colson turns around like oh that's me thank you Excellent. Just excellent. Um, So, on the plane, Ward has stabilized Garrett for now. Garrett reveals that he's dying. The machine is fine, but his organs are failing. And the cybertech team has given him a month, maybe two, to live. And could that come sooner, though? (laughs) Has it already been a month, maybe? Um, How long has it been since they gave you that prognosis? Right, exactly. How much? How long? How long do we have to wait it out? Curious minds <laughs> would like to know. <laughs> um, so back at the motel, May goes in to check on Sky in the motel room after Sky didn't come out to eat with the rest of the team. May tries to comfort Sky by explaining that Fitz just isn't able to process what's been happening yet. He needs to believe, for the time being, that Ward is being controlled, even if it's obvious that he's not. Sky makes a comment about May not having any feelings at all, about her ex-lover turning evil, but May corrects her. She is furious, but she's not going to take it out on everyone else. She's going to save it until she can use that anger to actually take down the subject of her anger, Ward. 
and May subtly offers to help Sky learn how to harness this so-called hate foo every morning at 5 a.m. And that is a lovely, lovely offer. But five o'clock in the morning? I <laughs> Yikes. I love this scene because it, it is showing like how far their relationship has come just over the course of this season. Yes. And absolutely it gives you like a little tease of the relationship that could happen in the future and it just is so good. It makes me feel all warm and tingly. And <laughs> ugh. And also I was thinking like five in the morning does sound extreme, but Right now in this moment, I would kill to have that kind of structure in my life. <laughs> like, I need someone to wake me up at five in the morning and hold me accountable to doing productive things. Yeah. Someone be my life coach, please. <laughs> I will never be able to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> Um, anyway, so uh, just then, Coulson informs them that Trip has found the Hydra base in Cuba. Woo! And then, okay, the like transitional shot of the plane like flying over the water. Did you see the like weird zoom? <laughs> I don't think that I did, but I'll 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 go back and look. Okay, I I took a video of it while I was watching, and I put it on the drive if you want to look at it. All right, but it was. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why, but it made me laugh so much. I didn't see it in the folder. Let's see. I put it in while we were talking, so you may not have seen it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, the video cannot be played. Oh, no. Well, I'll show it to you later. I'll look back later. <laughs> anyway, just take my word for it. It was funny. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. <laughs> uh, it was certainly an editing choice. Usually I love the editors. Uh, that was That was questionable. <laughs> So, in Havana, Ian motherfucking Quinn is just finishing getting a shave and a haircut, and he's shocked that this only costs $5, when apparently it costs $30 in Rome. And, like, why are you flexing that you got ripped up? Why do rich people do that? I don't get it. And it's also, like, it's not even just, like, because I don't think that he got ripped off in Rome. I think that that's probably an accurate pricing. Probably. I think for something that, um... I think for the kind of service that someone like Ian Quinn is used to, that's probably a little bit of a low ball, $30 for a haircut and a shave. Probably. That's that's pretty cheap, it seems to me. What he's doing is saying, like, oh, you're undercharging that much? <laughs> and, like, it's always, the thing about it is, the thing about it is, is something that will never make sense to me. And my mom would always say, well, both my parents actually would always say, well, that's how rich people stay rich. So it's because they're so frugal. I'm like, first of all, no. Um, <laughs> but it's something, it's a phenomenon that I have noticed. Like the wealthiest people that I know also are the ones always trying to get a deal or to get one over. Like, you know, like they're... yeah. If they can get it for cheaper one way or the other, like, because of who they are or something like that, like, they will. Yeah, for sure. Well, because they're going to exploit people. Yeah. Interesting. Good point. Good point. So, Garrett and Ward arrive at the barbershop, and Garrett immediately starts flirting with Quinn. <laughs> He's like, I knew there was a reason I didn't rip out that silver tongue of yours. 
Why is he? He's always talking about Ian's tongue. <laughs> yes. But also, like, I'm realizing that, um, I don't know, just the, just the abusive tendencies of Garrett are, like, so well characterized because um, as of the time of recording, Jeanette McCurdy's memoir just came out. And I'm mm. sure that you all have seen, like, the buzz around that. Um, it's called I'm Glad My yeah. Mom Died. And it is it details, like, her childhood, like, her abusive very fraught childhood um and she describes a person that she only calls the creator when she was working at nickelodeon um and she talked about how this person had two sides to them that they could make you feel so special and like you're so valuable and like you're the most important person in the world and then on the other side they could tear you down they could make you cry they could be the reason, like, they they would fire you on the spot. Yeah. And I'm seeing so much of that in Garrett because just a few episodes ago, he was, like, dressing Quinn down and, like, you know, like, like cutting him down. And then now Quinn is proving to be useful. Right. And Garrett is heaping praise on him, yeah. flirting with him. Like... And it, it shows, because when Hydra got revealed and Ward managed to still be on the inside with Coulson and be able to get information from the team for Garrett, mm-hmm. Garrett was all buddy-buddy with Ward that whole time and was, like, heaping praise on him. And he was like, we're almost there. Like, we're doing right. so good. Like, we're... You know, like, it's all because of you. And then as soon as something goes wrong, when Ward goes to get the information from Sky, Ward is worthless. Ward's useless. He's being almost completely ignored by Garrett when he's not being dressed down by Garrett. And it's really like this whole operation is only to benefit this one person. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot. Man, we're we're wasting our time hating Ward, man. We we need to <laughs> we need to hate Garrett. Garrett's the real bad guy. Fuck. I'm listen. We can hate both of them. Yes, we can. <laughs> I can <Fuck>. multitask. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can multitask. <laughs> we we know Ward a little bit better, yeah. but Jesus Christ, like Garrett is so much more sinister. Oh, than I caught on to. My first watch, my second watch, like... Yeah. Oh, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, Garrett's flirting with Quinn while Ward gets jealous from across the room. Apparently, since it was S.H.I.E.L.D. who accused Quinn of his laundry list of crimes, now that S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone, Quinn's charges were all dropped and his reputation restored. And now, Quinn is going to be the, quote, poster boy for Hydra's next enterprise. While Garrett and Quinn are still talking, Ward gets called slash paged away by Raina. And Raina confides in Ward that she found something interesting about Skye. She would tell Garrett, but she's realizing that he's not really interested in gifted people like she is. He's really only interested in keeping himself alive. Duh. And then she, like, reverse psychologies Ward after dropping that bombshell. Like... 
I shouldn't even be talking to you about this. I should just go straight to Garrett. (laughs) (laughs) And Ward's like, no, please, tell me, please. Raina, manipulative (laughs) queen. Listen, I know we were just talking about abusive and manipulative people, but Raina's the exception. Um, Everything she does is amazing, actually. And as she should. Awesome. Because she's hot. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But she's got Ward exactly where she wants him to get the intel that she wants on Sky. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, she has a theory about Sky. And she wants confirmation or more information about Sky, Right. And she obviously has been overhearing all this talk. All these people are shitting on Ward about what happened with Sky, And so she has inferred that, oh, Ward has a soft spot for Sky. Mm-hmm. I can use that. Yeah. And she does, She bitch. does. Uh. <laughs> Um, so she tells Ward that Skye's orphan status and DNA reminded her of a story that she heard once of a baby girl. Her parents were monsters slash aliens who devastated an entire town looking for their baby. We already knew that Skye was an 084, but this told us that her parents are extraterrestrials. Whoa! <laughs> we knew that Shield was protecting her from something. Right. We didn't know that Shield was protecting her from her parents. Right. Exactly, Julia. <laughs> um. So, 1998 Garrett shows back up to Baby Ward's camp. Can you stop? Thank you. 1998 Garrett shows back up to Baby Ward's campsite six months later, and he's impressed at how well Ward has fared thus far. A Ward threatens to blow Garrett's head off with a shotgun. He should have. Um, but Garrett says he brought tacos, so all is forgiven, apparently. Listen, if I hadn't had a taco for six months... I mean, okay, but also <laughs> the person who left you there for six months... <laughs> I don't know. Juliet, stop it, please. You're fine. She said, no, I'm not. But she's dying. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Baby Ward explains that after the first few weeks, he got desperate enough to expand his thinking, and he started raiding nearby cabins to steal supplies. Garrett thinks that since Baby Ward and Buddy survived so well, that obviously it couldn't have been that bad. Interesting. Interesting take. I, like, the way that he says it, like, he doesn't present it as something that he thinks. He doesn't present it as an opinion. Yeah. He, like, says it confidently as though it's an objective fact. Right. And, like, I can see where... A child who has been abused all their life would say, yeah, that's right. I did. I did have to um, take extreme measures to keep myself alive, but I, I, I did it, though. So I guess he must be right. It wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm being a baby. Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, poor, poor baby ward. Um, but just after Ward says that, no, 
But just after Garrett says that he's proud of Ward, he pulls a gun out of the taco bag because, of course, he was lying about the tacos. Unforgivable. Um, <laughs> and he starts shooting. He starts shooting all of Ward's stuff. <laughs> what? He hands Ward the gun and says, stick with me, kid. In a few years, you'll shoot better than that. Uh, <laughs> what? Like... He just shot random stuff. He wasn't aiming at anything. <laughs> like, first of all, he's not proving that that he has good aim. And second of all, this man is not mentally well in so many ways. I like I don't <laughs> And thirdly, uh, on a separate note, the the kid that they got to play Young Ward is so good. Yes. Like, the mannerisms, the vocal inflections, like, even his posture. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, like. So good. The negging and then praising and then taking it back and giving yes. this kid whiplash over and over again. Like, it is just, like. Like, one, no, it definitely doesn't prove that he's a good shot. But Ward (laughs) doesn't know that. Right. He just saw someone whip around and shoot in a bunch of different directions, and it all hit something. So... (laughs) Okay, but Ward was in military school. Like, Like, he definitely was shooting guns. I mean, I guess so. But, like, I also think that when Garrett switches gears so fast, I know that if it were me that I would just be too confused to question him. Yeah. And at a certain point, when that keeps happening, you stop questioning him. That's true. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just the emotional abuse and the grooming. It was sickening to watch. And I think it's really because, like, I can look at that kid playing young Ward and be like, that is a child. Right. Oh... Like, I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. (laughs) It's a lot. I like what you said about being too confused to question him. Because I know, like, in the, the abusive situations that I have, like, witnessed, it definitely, that, that was huge. Was, like, it's, like, you're putting so much effort to try and, like, keep track of, like, what's going on. And, like, what are they saying? What is the point right now? Like, what are you, why, why are you mad at me? Like, that it's, it's easier to just, just let go and be like, uh, okay, I guess you're mad at me now. I guess I did something wrong. I'm stupid. I'm whatever. Like, that, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't even think about that. And, like, it's, it's just, like, the, the whiplash because, like, he leaves for six months apparently comes back with tacos, is talking all this stuff about how proud he is. Uh, he At the same time, saying it's not that big of a deal, it couldn't have been that bad because you did so well, but I am proud of you for doing so well. But, look again, there's no tacos, I'm right. pulling a gun on you, and now I'm shooting things, and everything is happening so fast. And now I'm handing you the gun and saying, one day you'll be as good as I am. And he's like, "Right, okay. I'd be fucking confused too. Yeah. You don't even know where to start to to respond. And especially as a kid 
And, and like, he does it all so confidently mm-hmm. that, like, I'd be like, okay, well, I mean, you obviously, like, you know what you're talking about. You're the adult here. Right. And you seem to care about me more than anyone else has seemed to care about me in my life. Exactly. Exactly. At least you're telling me that you're proud of me. Yeah. Oof. Yikes. Um, so, back to the future, again. The Havana base has been packed up, uh, and they are about to move to another location in the U.S. because they found out that the Deathlock files were stolen from Cybertech. Garrett and Ward are shit-talking Reyna for literally no reason. <laughs> They're like, she's unnerving. It's those eyes. It's what's behind those eyes. Like, so she's hot and she's smarter than you? So what? <laughs> but Reyna interrupts their gab sesh and gives Garrett the recreated GH325. It's not an exact match, but it should do everything that Garrett needs it to. The only catch is that this one vial is the only one in the world, so he better not need it right away. <laughs> and our agents of nothing have landed in Havana, and Fitz and Trip are broing out over the vintage spy gear. Clearly, Fitz has started to get over his aversion to Trip because when Trip offers a fist bump, Fitz just like grabs Trip's fist, which is like classic. <laughs> 2013 awkward turtle move. (laughs) Fitz and Trip finally getting along. I'm so happy. Yes. Um, So while Coulson, Trip, May, and Skye stake out the barbershop base, um, which used to be a shield base, which is how they knew where it was, Fitzsimmons have the maps and they are to find Coulson's plane, but they're not to engage until the whole team is with them. Trip says that the base is empty from what he can see, but Sky is getting signals of a ton of voltage from the barbershop. Fitzsimmons have found the bus, but it's packing up to leave, and they are about three hours away from the barbershop. So Daddy Coulson puts on his serious professional boss voice and tells them to leave ASAP and not to engage alone. Sky says that if there's a computer in the barbershop base at all, they don't need to keep chasing Garrett anyway. So Fitz and Simmons are certainly free to leave. But of course, Simmons can't just leave the bus without at least trying. She and Fitz decide to try and bug the plane with a microphone slash tracker while they're there. Fitz says, we'll use Sleepy. He's the best listener. Besides you, of course. <laughs> Aww! <laughs> was so cute um but as is the pattern for this episode whiplash right oh my god parallels the episode's doing to us what garrett did to ward yes before fitz can leave their hiding spot ward walks in and my heart dropped out of my ass (laughs) oh my god so then another flashback This time to around 2003. Wow. Ward has changed so much in those five years. It's almost like he's a completely different person. (laughs) (laughs) So young adult Ward and flashback Garrett are sitting on the same campsite. Garrett gives YA Ward shit for being nice to Buddy. Um, (laughs) Interesting. Ward says that dogs are better than humans, which is a universal truth. We all know this. (laughs) 
Garrett says, All a dog's loyalty and trust gets them is being abandoned in the woods or left at the pound. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. He then compares himself to a dog because when he was wounded on a shield mission, his shield medic team left him for dead. He says, I was more loyal to shield than shield was to me. And like that tracks for big shield. Honestly, the parallels again between Coulson and Garrett. Yes. Wow. 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 Like both were more loyal to shield than shield was to them, but Uh they chose very different ways of dealing with that. Yes. Yes. Wow. It just, like, it's insane, really. It really, truly. So anyway, then Garrett gets, like, gross and graphic again. I don't... He always wants to talk about his most gruesome experiences completely unprompted. Like, literally nobody asked about your goddamn Stop intestines. trauma dumping. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> So, regardless, Garrett swore on that day that if he survived, he would find a way to treat S.H.I.E.L.D. the same way that they treated him. So then, Garrett introduces Y.A. Ward to the idea of Hydra. He says, Hydra understands the importance of survival. (laughs) Like, okay. Garrett's entire villain origin story started because S.H.I.E.L.D. left him for dead. And Hydra is apparently so much better because they definitely don't leave their agents for dead. Except when necessary for leverage or manipulation or simply convenience. Just like how Garrett would never leave Ward for dead except for when he does. (laughs) Literally, nothing about this flashback shows why Ward thinks he owes Garrett his entire life to an outsider. I, now that we've talked about it, like, it does, but... Yeah, it's, like, that was my view on it on first watch. I was like, no, none of this is an excuse. And it's not. It's not an excuse. Right. But it does explain why. It's an explanation, not an excuse. If Ward would just go to therapy, he would understand. (laughs) He would see the hypocrisy. Or if he would literally just talk to anyone at all, even if it wasn't a therapist. Sky tried to talk to him, but Ward never opened up about any of his feelings, any of his experiences. And if he would, for even a single second, he would see all of Garrett's hypocrisy. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. Whew. It's also, like, it's, I don't want to say that at this point he would be too far gone, but it's, like, when you've been groomed like that, when you've been abused like that from such a young age, and this person has convinced you that they are the only person that you can even somewhat rely on, they're the only person that sees you for who you can be, for, like, who you are capable of being inside, that you owe this person everything. And that is your core belief. That is what you have been groomed to believe. Even all of the outside evidence that he is getting to the contrary, that's challenging his worldview, and he rejects it. Right. He's digging his heels in. Mm. Man. Ah, it's so... ah. I don't like feeling bad for Ward. I still fucking hate him so much. (laughs) 
We feel bad for Ward's inner child. That's who we feel bad for. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not into a redemption arc. I... But... I'm going to have a lot to say if there's a redemption arc. I'm not going to spoil anything. I already kind of get the feeling from, especially from this episode, that there's going to be a redemption arc, and I'm not here for it. Yeah, I plead the fifth. <laughs> um, so, current Ward escorts Fitzsimmons to Garrett on the plane. Fitz immediately says, this is our plane, and we want it back. <laughs> Fitz, baby. <laughs> Sweet baby. <laughs> As Garrett orders for takeoff and for the barbershop to be warned about Coulson, Ward catches Fitz reaching into his pocket. Ward pulls out Fitz's hand and reveals what looks to everyone else like a joy buzzer and a quarter. Because, you know me, always joking around. (laughs) So then Fitz presses the buzzer and all of the electricity in the room starts shorting out, including Garrett's machine parts. So Garrett doesn't die immediately, but he recognizes the EMP. Uh, and Fitz is, so, Fitz is so good with his little catchphrases. He's like, who's laughing now? <laughs> uh, so Ward rushes into the lab to gather supplies while he hurriedly fills Raina in and tells her to call Cybertech for help. While Ward is rushing to stabilize Garrett, Fitz takes the chance to try and get through to his friend. He says he's glad that Garrett is dying, and now Ward doesn't have to take orders from him anymore. But Ward just orders for the room to be cleared. Because Ward doesn't want to hear that. We all have complicated feelings. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) back to uh, YA Ward aiming to shoot a deer. Garrett goes on to say that if Ward is going to work for Hydra within S.H.I.E.L.D., he can't get attached to anyone or anything. And that apparently starts now because then Garrett tells Ward to take care of Buddy. Stop! Stop! I... uh, That's the end of the episode. That was it. I had... I literally... I literally paused it at that because I could not... I couldn't play anymore... (laughs) Of the episode. I. (laughs) This is what I wrote down. I said. I said. I can't play any more of this episode. I cannot watch Ward kill this dog. Especially when this dog looks exactly like Chip. I needed a trigger warning. What the fuck? I literally cannot hit play. Chip don't watch. Oh thank god they didn't show it. So, back in present day, Garrett's prognosis is not good. But they have a medical facility ready for him in Miami. Garrett, however, orders Ward to put down Fitz and Simmons. What the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, Like, no way. Uh, What I wrote down was, no way he's going to do that. I mean, obviously, I know they're not going to kill off the best characters on the show, but also there's no way Ward would actually go through with that. No way, no way, no way, no way, no way. (laughs) What I wrote down was, fuck, 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 Fitzsimmons, I'm not ready. (laughs) Oh my god. The entire end of this episode just had my heart rate was just going in crazy. Um, so Coulson and the rest of the team have made it inside the barbershop bunker, but they haven't found the computers yet, and I am very nervous. 
Garrett tells Reyna that he has a mechanical failsafe on his machine. Then he says, I'm pretty interesting inside. No, he's not. Ew. Also, like, once she opens it, it literally just looks like bubble wrap and, like, an energy drink. (laughs) But, as it turns out, it is the centipede serum, which is apparently the only thing that's been keeping Garrett alive for the last few months. It didn't make him strong because his human body is so close to death that this serum has to work overtime just to keep him standing. So he hands Raina the GH325 replica, and I hope that it's poison. I hope that she did it wrong, just just to kill him. <laughs> so Fitzsimmons managed to evade their guards by throwing a chair on its side, and then they narrowly escape Ward by diving into a closet. <laughs> and Hydra is, they're just terrible at their jobs all around, like <laughs> terrible agents. Uh, so Ward stares at them through the window and says, open the door, Fitz. Like, why the fuck would he open the door? <laughs> that's, that's stupid. There's no reason for Fitz to open that fucking door. Like, <laughs> um, so Fitz uses the opportunity to try and reach his friend Ward. Simmons tries to tell Fitz that Ward doesn't care about them or anyone or anything, but Fitz won't believe it and and uh what i wrote at this point was my heart is in my ass right now jesus fucking christ (laughs) yes (laughs) i thought that it was just a closet i knew what was coming yeah i thought that they were just i knew what was coming you didn't (laughs) yeah i was blindsided um Yay! And I thought that it, everything was going to be fine from right there. And then the fucking jump scare of Ward pointing the gun at the dog. Like, I almost shit myself. <laughs> but he is so cute. He was so cute. Oh, my God. I, I wrote, please tell me, please tell me he secretly lets Buddy go. Like, he's clearly going to do with Fitzsimmons. <laughs> I was so naive. <laughs> uh, luckily, he does let Buddy go. He shot. He shoots the gun in the air, and Buddy runs off after the non-existent kill, just like he was trained to do, like a good boy. Oh my god, my heart was literally racing so fast. And he honestly, honestly, Ward should be ashamed of himself for even thinking about shooting that really? dog. <laughs> um. Fitz is trying to convince Ward to choose to do good, to make the right choice this time. But Ward just says, I have my orders. And he turns around to a control panel, and Fitz and Simmons both start freaking out. And I know, (laughs) I was like, I know he's doing something to kill them, but I don't know what he's doing that's going to kill them in that closet. (laughs) So Fitz and Simmons are both yelling for him not to do it. And Fitz says, I know you care about us, Ward. And Ward says, I do. It's a weakness. So my note here was... Oh, my God! My note here was, no, 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 no. My heart, no, no, no. I'm so upset. <laughs> oh. And then they show the damn dog again in, like, a gun 
scope, and I swear to fucking God, if Garrett kills the dog instead, which they didn't show it, so obviously that didn't happen. Oh, man. Um, So then Ward hits a final button, and then the closet ejects from the plane into the ocean. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I need a minute. Oh, my God. I needed a minute. I... (laughs) I fucking cannot. (sighs) So, remember when I said that the Fitz and Ward friendship pays off in a big way at the end of the season? Yes. This is what I meant. I don't like it. (laughs) You look so angry. (laughs) I'm mad. I don't like it. I literally, I had to take a break. I could, it was like three o'clock in the morning, but I was like, I can't, I cannot finish this episode right now. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, that's what I that's what I meant by that. Like I couldn't if I said that like the way that it pays off is really sad and upsetting. <laughs> no, you're right. You said it in the best way possible. Like I I wanted to convey <laughs> that this storyline leads to something big, but I couldn't give it away. Like I couldn't be like this friendship ends badly. <laughs> I thought I thought that you meant that like Ward was gonna help Fitz and Simmons get together or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is not I and like I said, I you mean, said it in the best way possible to avoid any spoilers. Um The thing about it is, wait. So good job. Wait, avoiding spoilers though? You're not wrong. And that's all I'll say on that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> hey, at least you have to watch the next episode soon, right? Because we're recording it yeah. on Monday. Yeah. So. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. So, Reina is reminding Garrett that this gh replica is not a guaranteed cure and once they use it she cannot make any more and i don't i don't really understand why she can't make more like just use some of it and then make like make more with the rest of it i don't she already knows how she made it the first time yeah i plot yeah just plot (laughs) plot Uh, anyway, Garrett says, (laughs) Garrett says that it's worth the risk because without it, he's dead for sure. And also, I don't like the way that he touched her arm. Don't touch her. Gross. (laughs) Um, so as she administers the GH drug, Ward returns and confirms that Fitzsimmons are taken care of. Fuck. So as Garrett is starting to say some stupid canned old person catchphrase he starts seizing and i said fucking die nazi scum (laughs) (laughs) um so as his body settles down ward asks what he's feeling and garrett says the universe (laughs) like 
Oh, so he has expanded his mind from this psychedelic drug. Does that mean that he'll stop killing people and start, like, protesting the war or something? Has Garrett learned empathy? (laughs) Um, So back at the barbershop base, they finally find the computers behind a secret door. It's kind of Coulson's specialty. But then the lights go out, and two guys with berserker staffs show up in the doorways. Oh, no. And then more of them start lighting up in the darkness. Oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> so now it's time for the post-content content. I didn't say that in the, my normal voice, but we're going with it. <laughs> we're tired today. It's fine. Yes. Ian Quinn is in a in D.C. meeting with military leaders to convince them that Deathlock is good because he killed that drug lord in Colombia. Um, the generals do not care, and they do not want to work with Cybertech at first. Quinn starts talking about the ridiculously high cost of war. God forbid, if you start a war, you should then have to pay your soldiers a living wage and also pay to keep them alive and healthy. Wouldn't it just be so nice if you didn't have to pay for any of that and you could just have one super soldier work for nothing but the threat of his own life and the life of his son? Wouldn't that be great? Now, I am by no means a military expert, but the thing about it is... It's not so much that the military doesn't pay well, but it doesn't pay as well as people seem to think, and it doesn't pay as well as our military budget makes it seem like they should. Right. Uh, The military budget mostly goes to research, equipment, tanks, weapons. Bigger guns. Things like that. (laughs) The the military funding does not go to the actual people who make up the military. Of course not. It goes to the things that they can use. Yep. Um, yeah. So, continue. Um, well, how about if Cybertech sells the military 1,000 super soldiers? After the corruption of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the, quote, terrifying rise of HYDRA, they just simply need to work with Cybertech to make this country safe again. And, like, I did I hear that right? Cybertech, the subsidiary of Hydra, is selling Hydra super soldiers to the military to protect people from Hydra. Like this is this is too meta. This is honestly is this not exactly what's going on <laughs> around the world? Yeah, it's it's like yeah. Yeah. You create a problem so that you can sell the solution to that problem. Yeah. That is that is capitalism, yeah. honestly. It's like I have so much to say. Yeah. That I can't even like put into words. <laughs> but it's also like it's exactly what was happening in Shield before. Yeah. And that just yeah. goes to show like how insidious it is. Mhm. Because there will always be people in power who want the easiest option. Right. They're going to cut corners, and they're going to allow bad things to slip through because of that. Right. That's exactly how Hydra slipped through S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, in the same way that the U.S. recruited Nazi scientists after World War II, that's what happened with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. too. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. brought on known Hydra agents... And then it's like a huge surprise. Oh my god, Hydra infiltrated us. How did wow, they do well, maybe that? because you recruited directly out of Hydra. 
Yeah. And so then we have all of this, like, bunk research. Oh, my God. Isn't it crazy that we were wrong about this for so long and that the tests for it were completely unethical? I'm like, wow, I wonder why. Maybe it's because that person was a Nazi <laughs> that you brought over because they were just so smart. <laughs> because there's no one who could possibly be smart and not a Nazi of course that not. we could use here. Of course not. <laughs> Ugh, oh. It's just so much. Okay, I'm done. <clears throat> What are your overall thoughts? I'm exhausted from this episode. Same. <laughs> That's my main overall thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even allowing the thought of Fitzsimmons possibly dying to enter my brain because they're not going to be killed off. Obviously, we know this, obviously. Their slow burn relationship hasn't even fucking started yet. Uh, and... It, I you have told me that they're in the last season, so <laughs> I, there's no way. <laughs> um, and finally, thank fuck they didn't show that dog getting killed. <laughs> but I am very upset, and I don't ever want to talk about that again. Um, <laughs> I had to like hug Chip for a while and make him close his eyes, but we're okay. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's all good that concludes our episode on season one episode 21 ragtag yeah. if you want to keep up with us you can follow us on tiktok at agents of nothing podcast on instagram at agents of nothing podcast on twitter at agent nothing pod and you can also go to anchor.fm slash agents of nothing and send us a voice message with your thoughts you can donate to us on Anchor as well if you would like to. No pressure, but we would appreciate it. You can email us at agentsofnothingpodcast at gmail.com. Our fan mail episode is rapidly approaching. Yes. For our personals, you can find me, Mariah, on Twitter at fullswampwitch underscore, on TikTok at submarinewarfare, and on Instagram at submarinewarfare. And you can follow me, Caroline, on Twitter at RustyPage95, on Instagram at underscore RustyPage, and on TikTok at CrazyGinger995. Next week, we will be covering the season one finale, episode 22, beginning of the end. Woo! So stay tuned for that. Okay, bye. Bye. Love you.